<laughs> I don't think that's how that works. Well, I don't know how it works. So I'm, I mean, Secret Service is still Secret Service. I'm going to talk out of my ass and just <laughs> and joke about it. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back, everyone, to S1E1, the show where each week we pick a different sitcom, watch just the first televised episode, and ignoring anything else we might know about the future run of that show, rate it, and decide if that's a show that we want to greenlight or cancel. This week we're talking about The Tick, 2001 edition. The Tick went nine episodes, one season on Fox. We're going to be talking about episode one today, which was called Pilot, originally airing November 8th, 2001. So to get things started, I'm Jay Gags. With me, as always, the guys, Gordo, Nick, Ferg, and that's it. No Joe this week. So uh, sorry, guys, if you are big Joe stands, but uh, he's out. His pussy hurts. Big Joe stands. <laughs> big Joe stands. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I have no money. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so first off, I want to address, I mentioned uh, specifically the 2001 version of the tick because the show did come back later on there was a second incarnation of the tick it was not a reboot it was a completely new show really that was on, on prime. amazon prime right yes yep and it wasn't patrick warburton right no, no a different man played the tick and that one went two seasons that one went show, a little bit longer show was great one. i'm really upset that it didn't go a third because it ended on a cliffhanger but to get into this one the original 2001 live action tick and i should also mention that there was a animated version of the tick that came out even before that in the mid 90s i believe i used to watch it on fox saturday morning cartoons yeah this version of the tick the 2001 did you guys watch it in the original run do you remember it i've never seen this show no i obviously i knew what it was you were with us when we rushed from uh ccd all the way to the chinese food restaurant i was just gonna say i vividly remember this i don't i'm sure i was with you i don't remember that though but um was this based off of a comic? Yes. This, yes. It, so this was a it, like an independent comic or what? Yeah, the tick is actually originally like created in this area. I don't I don't yeah. have the full backstory with me, but yeah, it's a Boston, New England based character. Oh, interesting. Well, created. I don't know if the story is based there, but I've met the creator at Comic Con before, Boston Comic Con, because they never have anyone good there. But um, this was like back in the day. It's before like cons were like huge now with like much bigger celebrities, but. Ben right. Edlund, he's from Brockton, so. Yeah. I haven't met anybody from The <laughs> Tick, but I did watch the show in its original run. Yeah, I mean, um, Ferg mentioned it earlier. Yeah, we, I remember at that time in 2001, we were all super excited about the show coming out, and we, like, rushed to our local Chinese food restaurant so we could watch it because we are all hanging out. And uh, shout out to Hong Kong Dragon, the best Chinese food in the world. They were the overly best. nice to a bunch of little shitheads. Yes. The entire time we were that we were young, it was but crazy. In return, we've given them we've given them undying loyalty. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we put their kids through college. So yeah, yeah so I, that new expansion is from us. Yeah. yeah, that they have. Yeah, they bet on the right horse because we've given them so much money over the last thirty years or so because of it. Actually, I was going to say, Nick, when I come into winter tomorrow, that's where I want to go. That's where I miss. Do it up. If I'm around, I'll go with you. I just had it recently, but I will have it again, and it won't be the first time I've done that. Yeah. I'm down. Yeah, so like, uh, let's get right into it. So the opening scene, we just kind of see like the camera starts off on like this starry night sky, and it pans right down, and you hear this uh, narration. The life of a superhero is a lonely one, filled with hardship and danger. The few who answer the call must leave comfort, safety, and often sanity behind. But someone's going to stay in the heat and stay in the kitchen. 
Someone's going to don the oven mitts of all that's right and strangle the throat of all that's wrong. This is that someone's story. <laughs> uh, as that's happening, it's panning to like what you think you're going to reveal the hero, but it's just a bus station, and, and he just goes, hey, a bus. <laughs> I don't know why that made me laugh. <laughs> hey, a bus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then uh, so from there, you see this bus kind of pulling into the station, and the driver's getting out to talk to who, I don't know, I assume is the manager of the bus station and the driver asks him if is like, is he still here? And the manager's replies is, yep. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that's when they look up and you reveal the actual, the tick, the tick himself. He's, he's still, you find out he's the narrator because he's still doing the narration, but live, you know, yeah, he was just people speaking out loud him. that whole time. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't, yeah, it wasn't yeah. like voiceover narration. Like you expected it to be. No, he's just speaking out loud, which is the yes. theme throughout the whole show. Right. So uh, the tick is played by Patrick Warburton, who uh, he's been in a million things. I mean, what's what would you say is number one? Is it Seinfeld? Probably Seinfeld. Yeah. Uh, I would, without even having seen the tick before, I would say the tick. Well, this is his first thing that I can remember him starring in. Because Seinfeld, he had kind of a secondary, minor yeah. character role, but yeah, he's that—that's his whole career. He's always a side character. Yeah, I was gonna say I don't know of anything outside of the Tick where he is the lead. Right. It's also in the Ted movies, and in the second one, he's at Comic Con dressed as the Tick, which is pretty funny. That's right. That's right. And then, like the suit itself, thoughts? Anything when you first reveal it? It's um very tight <laughs> yes that must have been so uncomfortable i was gonna say he actually has a suit still from that that he took as a souvenir i just i don't like that his eyes aren't covered i i, I always watched the original cartoon i, I read a little of the comments i'm not gonna be a super expert but he's not like a huge star that they had to alter the suit so you had to see this guy's fucking face <laughs> yeah i mean I, I guess um that didn't really for me it was just like what it was made of it looked too thick and rubbery like it it didn't seem really? I don't know it made it it, it looked too fake for me it I, I don't finished like it looked like it was like a prop suit like it looks like they were either a gonna like chroma key something on it to make it look different or b add layers to it and they never did yeah so yeah I agree with Ferg it did look unfit I don't I mean. It's also kind of goofy looking, and I think that's maybe what they were going for. It's supposed you know what I mean? to be yeah. a goofy superhero. If you know like the source material, it's not like it was a very intricate costume. I mean, visually, it is pretty accurate, aside from like what Fergan mentioned earlier with the face, but it's simple. But I don't know, something about that rubbery, glossy, rubbery look like that, I, I don't know, it doesn't do it for me. Like, it looks too much like a... Like a costume more than like a... Yeah, which I think is what they're going for, right? Because in, I, like this is what confused me a little bit too because there are people in this show, we'll get to, there are people in the show who want to be superheroes because they just want to be superheroes. But the Tick does seem to have some, you know, he's super strong. Like, so I don't, yeah. they never got into like the ethos of his character. They just showed up and he was super strong and fast and they never really explained why. I can't remember his actual backstory. I just know his he's indestructible. Like that's his power. And he's strong, obviously. Yeah, it is a it is a weird mix when you and we will get into some of those characters as we go along, but it, it is kind of a mixed dynamic between all the heroes that you do see. Uh so each media adaption has a different origin of the tick. In the original comic book series, the tick is apparently legally insane 
having escaped from a mental institution located not too far from the city. In the uh, 2004, 2004, 1994 animated series, he has passed his official superhero initiation test and was assigned to the city. So each, uh, and in the 2000 and live action series, the tick was tricked into moving to and protecting the city after irritating the bus station. He has no memory We're of about his to life. Get to be- that. Yeah, no, he has no show. memory of his life before that. Although Batman, well, suggests the tick may be from space. Fuck that character too. Interesting. All right. Well, we'll, we'll uh, as you mentioned, Gordon, we'll get into some of that in a minute. He's doing his like self narration thing again, and uh, he's cut short by hearing like some noise from below, and it's essentially just a guy who's kind of shaking a vending machine that just stole his money or doesn't work properly. So he jumps down to you know help out because he is the Avenger for this specific bus station. This is like his only jurisdiction. Imagine if South Station had like their own superhero just wandering around. I would say South Station could probably use one, yeah. I mean, there's probably crackheads that act exactly the same. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so he jumps down and I do like it for, he, he's, he's talking to this vending machine like it's an evil villain. Uh, so he first, he calls it like Metal Fiend. And, uh, his initial efforts is to just like, you know, he's doing like the standard, like, you know, hit the coin return and do all the thing. And then he turns, and this was kind of, he turns and like asks the guy, like, you jiggle the thingy, but like he said it almost like Elvis as he's doing it. And <laughs> it's like a weird, like cut forward to him. Like the, the, the show in itself is shot very much like something in the early 2000s. It's really tough to verbalize how, how it's shot, but it's kind of non-standard angles and weird close-ups and pans that they use. And it's very reminiscent of that time. Like if you, if you watch it and you guys go back and watch this show after you hear us talk, you'll, you'll have an idea what I'm talking about. It's very obviously on sets like they're not live on location literally anywhere they built the bus station set they built the rooftop set like that's all it is it's basically just like a i don't know like a lot of it is green screen stuff too i believe yeah you get a lot of like um like fisheye lens type stuff though and like the way it's like physically shot is um i know it's really tough for me to put into words exactly what i mean like you'd have to see it to know i think but um yeah so he starts going at it with this um (laughs) vending machine he calls it an armless bandit. <laughs> he starts shaking it. And uh, I do like, he, he says, empty your bladder of that bitter black urine men call coffee. <laughs> it has a price and that price has been paid. <laughs> and uh, his efforts do work. Eventually, the cup spits out of the machine and the coffee starts pouring out. Well, he did his job. You know, yeah. It weirdly reminds me of that scene in Suburban Commando when Hulk Hogan's playing the video game and then it opens up and the flag comes out after he beats it because yeah. he hits it so hard it is it actually that's a really good comparison <laughs> and uh someone from suburban commando is actually in this episode we'll get to that in a minute oh yeah and uh also he does say java devil you are my bitch he has a lot of good one-liners in this part um <laughs> he has the text dialogue like that i mean the old tick wouldn't have said that but the way he says it and then the voice it's like the old stuff. Like he's always narrating his own life, like even in the comics, which is cool. So it, they 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 got that that aspect of him right. I wish they threw in his signature catchphrase, "Spoon." But <laughs> <laughs> do they not do it even throughout the whole series? I don't remember. I, I just know it wasn't in this episode. Yeah, like, I know it wasn't in this one. But <laughs> so yeah, as he um ends this battle with the vending machine, uh, the bus uh, manager walks up to him the yep guy and uh gordo you you touched on this earlier when you're reading some of the origin stuff or the the varied origins 
but he kind of like fools him into heading into the city. He drops a bus ticket, you know, at his foot. And he's like, Oh, you dropped this. And he's like, Oh, uh, a bus ticket to the city. Like what for? And it was, he's like, Oh, maybe your work's done here. He, you know, he's just, he's kind of right in a way. There's like nothing left for him to do there, but really his intention is just to get him out of there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, make, makes sense. I guess if he's annoying you, I love the way it's delivered to the. Hey, you dropped this. <laughs> and this is like, I think the first time I noticed it, that like the antenna and like the antennas he has on his costume. Yeah, they move. Yeah, I was wondering like the technology behind that. Was that kind of a CGI thing or was that some sort of animatronic? I, don't I know. thought it was It looked really cool though. I, I, I thought it looked good. I was going to say that with, when you guys were talking about his suit, it almost looks like it was CGI. Like it, like at that kind of weird like the Greenish Ryan Reynolds com- Green Lantern movie. <laughs> kind of, yeah. But like this way they could do the antenna and everything. I guess if you can't tell they did something right, right? My guess yeah. is true. My guess is animatronics because the budget of the show, what it appears to be versus how much it would have cost and where technology was for two thousand and one, like that if it was a CGI suit, it would have been very, very noticeable. I guess it's something really simple, though, because it's not like they're not always moving. It's just when he's emotional and it's like a close yeah. of his face. So even something as easy as just like pull a string, like when they're doing true. the thing, like, yeah. they can they oh, can move yeah. the things to go like that. Like, that's true. Yeah, I don't I think they'd true. spend a lot of money on animatronics on this show that um they don't know if it's going to pick up or anything like that. Yeah. It's semi low budget. After he's convinced that he should head into the city, he he's like walking towards the bus and he, he encounters this teenage kid. And he tells him that this, uh, <laughs> the magic hubcap was never really magic and that the magic was inside him the whole time. I was like, what? What yeah, the fuck like, is that? <laughs> yeah, me too. Like, I don't know what the hell this is, but that's funny. It was just like a zero context thing. I have no idea where that was going, but whatever. That again goes with like the humor of the tick. Everything's random, like right down to the like villains and stuff like that. Just like talking to random people. He probably has this whole built up story in his head where him and this kid bonded that never happened. Because right. He's crazy right. like that. Yeah. And yeah. You know, like the the final shot of like this whole bus station scene is like right before he gets on the bus. You know, you have that manager talking to this teenager now and he's like, who is that guy? And it cuts to the tick on. He was the tick. But I'm like, I get the humor of the show and what they're going for there. But. He's clearly someone who's been at this bus station night and day for God knows how long. So like the who was who is that guy? Like maybe don't have that particular person say it and maybe just another patron of like the bus, not the guy he's already just interacted with say it. I thought that it was the other guy, not the um bus manager. I I'm almost positive it was the same guy. I'd have to watch it back, but I'm I'm pretty sure it was the guy who just gave him the bus ticket. I mean, you're probably not wrong in remembering that because that would prop that lines up with the humor of the show, but yeah, I I thought it was uh the other guy, like the guy that got off the bus that he he rescued the coffee for. Also bothers me that that guy never thanked him for helping him with the coffee. He was like stunned. Yeah. He was he was stunned. He was like basically nonverbal in that whole interaction. No excuse for bad manners. That's true. And then from this, like he's heading into the city. So our introduction to the city itself isn't following him, but it's cutting to this. Um, I don't know. Was it a law office? It's like an accounting. No, office. it was an account. No, it's actually in an accounting office. Okay. I knew that the character that we're about to meet is an accountant. I didn't know if he was an accountant for something other than just accounting. The boss does say at the accounting company, at blank, blank, and blank accounting firm. 
Right, and that's uh, Mr. Fishladder. So what happens is uh, you get this shot of two doors, and they bust open, and the shot is like him walking and talking to someone, and you're you're following him. the The camera's moving back it's as he's walking Lloyd, towards. By you. the way, we haven't. Yes. <laughs> yeah, we haven't. I was waiting for Jay to introduce. This. Right. Oh. Well, yeah, I was just uh, I was trying to set up the scene a little bit because it's the way it's shot is it it's a little bit from under him, like almost the camera's at like waist level, looking up at him a little bit, so he's kind of towering over as he's walking. But yeah, it is uh it is um Christopher Lloyd who is the person who is in Suburban Commando, uh famously with I was frozen today. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he's uh he's kind of fast talking and moving uh along with this other guy and you you get this um the, the vibe that he's the boss around there and the whole reason he's busting into this office is because he needs to address one of his employees and it's an accountant that's dressed like a moth <laughs> and he's just kind of sitting there like doing his work in costume. And this is where we meet Arthur for the first time. And he's played by uh, someone named David Burke. I'm not sure if I recognize him for any. There's something about his face. So that was I familiar. recognize him. I can't tell what he's from, though. Yeah, I mean, I could have done the easy click to see what he had been in, but I did not yeah. do that in this instance. I'll be honest with you. So he's had a few minor roles. Um, I don't have it in front of me right at this second. But he's most known for... For the tick. Oh, okay. This, so. this is what we need Joe for to point out some stupid, obscure thing that he's been yeah. in. If only there was some like weird 80s movie. Actually, he was a baby in this 1950s cowboy western. <laughs> so his earliest work was on Law and Order because I'll, I'll do my best, Joe. So I can always peg people for Law and Order. And he played <laughs> Gary Berman on Law and Order on the 1991 episode called Out of Control. But it looks like he just had a bunch of, uh, after that, it looks like, other than Testament, he was the voice of God in Testament, the Bible in animation TV series. He had a bunch of uh, minor roles, it looks like, as um, in, in various sitcoms and stuff. But this So this, is, be, this was his big role? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because he's played, like like I said, one-offs in like Malcolm in the Middle, uh, Crossing Jordan, House, Boston Legal. Uh, you know, I won't go through the entire Wikipedia article because there are tons of things that he is in, but it all looks like he's just in one-off episodes. Right, and I'm sure anyone who's interested enough can... He was in The Crew, which we covered. Really? Okay. He was not in The Crew. According to Wikipedia... The crew, the crew that I have is TV series. Oh, it's definitely was a different crew. to six. So Ooh. that was not. Let's the, cover it. The crew. <laughs> the other crew. Well, in any event, moving forward for all you David Burke fans, I'm glad we had a minute to go over all his minor roles. But yeah, Mr. Fishladder is there to address him and because he has, again, an accountant just sitting at work dressed like a moth. And... uh <laughs> Arthur informs him that despite doing good work at the firm for all this time and doing his parents' tax returns since he was six years old, that he's been living a lie and he's meant to be a superhero, which um, he intends to be doing part-time at first. So why would he come to work dressed up as Arthur? That's what I don't get. I was like, all right, so even if you want to be a superhero on the side, typically you wouldn't give your identity away by being in your superhero outfit right. when you're doing your regular job. Correct. I mean, and not only that, but can you imagine sitting at a computer all day or a typewriter, I think, was what he was in front of in that suit That's all day? laptop because he closes it. Oh, okay. Okay. See, that, that shows you how much I paid attention to detail there. You know what that made me think of at that point, though? How does superhero pay work? Because he's saying he's going to have to do it part-time at first, stay at the firm doing accounting work, but what's the tipping point when you can quit your day job as a superhero? Well, we all know crime doesn't pay. <laughs> <laughs> But 
uh, I would think that once you save the city a couple of times, maybe the mayor starts throwing you some money. Maybe, or the but police like, department. Maybe you get sponsored. Yeah, half the superheroes you know, the cities like hate them, and they're like kind of working against the city to get things done. Right. Interesting stuff. I don't know. Ferg, you love this stuff. How do you think superheroes get paid? <laughs> <laughs> It's a question I've thought about before, honestly. Like how, let's say you woke up tomorrow with some sort of beneficial superpower. How do you monetize that? Like, how do you, I mean, without having, without going to like the U.S. government and they'll be just like, you know, go kill these people for us well, or something Peter, like Peter that. Peter you know Parker I mean? sells pictures of himself to the Daily Bugle. Clark right. Kent is a reporter. They all right. have jobs as their uh, alter egos. Now, a bigger question would be, if you guys could have superpowers, what superpowers would you guys want? I mean, that's a tough question. You can't come at me with that question. Without I, I did. Ferg, there's no doubt in my mind you've thought about this a million times. <laughs> yeah. Who's your, who, all right. If you could be a superhero, I guess, you don't have to pick one well, no, I, one I think we superpower. can kind of go either way, though. Like, I think when it comes to just picking a superpower. Super speed. I mean, super speed would be good. You can get anywhere as fast as you want. Yeah, but you can just teleport. Y- yeah, that's true. But teleportation would be nice. Teleportation would be super cool. Super strength, I, I'm, I'm fond of, but I kind of already have that. So. With super speed, though? <laughs> With super speed, you run fast enough and hit someone, there's just super strength there. That's true. Also, you run fast enough, you could travel back in time. Just because you're super speedy does not mean you're indestructible because you're also hitting them at that speed. Well, you know what I mean? to punch while you're at <laughs> You know, you punch somebody in the face at 600 miles an hour, your hand is going to make it out of that. (laughs) I was going to say, how how come nobody, I I would pick telekinesis. That's a, that's a good. You'd pick toilet kinesis. (laughs) I mean, if I could fart on demand, like deadly farts, like that could be. Jay's lifting a building, Ferg's running really fast. (laughs) Corda's just like. <laughs> well, yeah, on, this, on the same token, like if I had a superpower, it'd be like I'd be teleporting so I didn't have to, like, I'd have a way to get from brewery to brewery and safely get home. <laughs> Jay got a superpower and died a week later. <laughs> While the superheroes are trying to save the planet, I'm just finding a way to get to breweries in Tokyo. I mean, that'd be cool, too. Like, if you were to, like, you know, say we all went on vacation, but you can teleport, you wouldn't even need to pack. You just teleport home to change the next morning. Like I wouldn't need true. to with my super speed. Get the insects. <laughs> that's true. I could just bring things with my, my brain. I'd always... So people always say like, oh, flying would be a really cool superpower. But no, think about it. If you were flying, like if you just had the ability to like lift off and fly, there there would have to be a, a, a point, like a part of your brain that would be like, what if this just stops working all of a sudden, right? And <laughs> I'm up in the sky. Like, yeah. I would never trust it. You know what I mean? I would be horrified. I'm scared of heights. Yeah, like, just, I, I don't, don't like, like heights. Yeah, you get hit by a plane. It's like, oh look, it, <laughs> it, Jay's flying five feet above the air again. Like in Meteor Man, <laughs> he, when uh, he flies, he only goes a couple of feet off the ground. That's all I would do. Yeah, just high enough so a car can't hit me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you wouldn't have a fear of heights if you, there was no like death. Like if Bullshit. you could fly, no fear of heights comes from falling. But and superheroes from falling. die. But you wouldn't, yeah, but if you could fly, it, you wouldn't, like, necessarily, That's what I'm saying. You like, need, you always need a combination of things for one of these superpowers to work. That's why there's not many superheroes with just, like, the one superpower. They can well, all do, like, many things. I mean, maybe I would be, like, Batman and just be super rich. Oh, so you'd be the worst superhero? <laughs> I mean, like, in the same <laughs> vein, though, like, what's wrong with being, like, Tony Stark smart? You could make yeah. the Iron Man suit. You can do whatever the hell you want. Anyways. Or you could be the tick. <laughs> Who has, I don't know what his powers are. 
But um, yeah, so during this whole exchange, I like that it started with Mr. Fishladder kind of informing Arthur that he's worth $17 per second, but he would like constantly shout out different like uh, denominations of money to let him know how much money is being wasted by having his conversation with him. He said he didn't want it to, he, he said he's worth 17 cents, whatever. $17 a second. Yeah, but he didn't want the conversation to go over X amount of dollars, and I forget what that dollar amount was. At $17 a second, it would not last long. I think he said like Well, that's what he was, that was the yeah. point. Yeah, that was the point he was trying to make, was make it quick. He goes, your kids, Marty. Something's going to be done with your kids. <laughs> no, but it, what he did say was, um, you know, he's like, look at yourself. You're built like a sensible shoe you shouldn't be jumping around town in a body sock fighting crime and arthur's like well i haven't actually fought any crime yet <laughs> and uh mr fish i was like good he's like keep it that way crime fights back and then he <laughs> told him to remember metcalf I, I guess metcalf was um he was the head of shipping and receiving there and he worked on the third floor metcalf uh was also trying to be a superhero and apparently he was <laughs> i know how pretty badly. this made gordo laugh by the way before <laughs> yep. you <even> say it <laughs> yeah he cashed in his 401k to buy a jetpack, and uh, he said, now the poor bastard needs a machine to poop. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like the delivery, too, because he goes, now he needs a machine to poop. <laughs> I like, I, I mean, you could be like Tony Stark of, of pooping and just have a machine to help you poop. Uh, sure. I'm sure, um, I'm sure War Machine has that, and isn't he paralyzed? From the waist down, yeah. So that suit might help him poop. Because they didn't have the balls to kill him. Also, um, I've heard of a superhero named Mantis. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Toboggan? Isn't, isn't he paralyzed as well? Or not? He is. Yeah. That Mantis suit must help him poop really easily. <laughs> but yeah, so um, <laughs> Mr. Fishladder essentially gives Arthur an ultimatum. He tells him you basically have to decide. You're not going to be able to do this part-time. You're either going to work here or you're going to try to be a superhero. <laughs> And uh, from there, we cut to the tick standing on top of a building now that he's in the city. And he's once again doing the self-narration. And I thought this was him attempting to fly. I I wasn't 100% sure what was happening here. Because you get a shot of him from the back. And then he jumps off the building. And then you just hear crashing. Yeah, they never touched on that. I he thought just, that was no. He jumps from too. rooftop to roo- rooftop. That's yeah, why thing. was there crashing, though? I didn't understand Yeah, he kind of just fell forward there. Because he's just heavy. So he jumped to the next one and he's just making a lot of noise. That's all. Wasn't he trying to glide? That's what I thought. I thought he was trying to fly <laughs> or something. And he just like fell forward and you just hear a crashing sound. I'm like, what just happened? Well, his wings. I thought that maybe he was trying to yeah. glide at first. But Can Superman fly or does he just jump? No, Superman no, he flies. flies. Superman can fly. Does he fly? Okay. Because I remember, I, I don't know where I heard it or saw it and Superman doesn't fly. He just jumps really hard. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know. Like, like, I can believe that. He could jump that hard, maybe. Well, he doesn't have wings. So I guess the theory is, I guess no, I can see that. he has in-air battles. <laughs> That's, That's true, true. yeah. He can, it's not about the momentum, yeah. After that, we, we start a new scene at this restaurant called The Lonely Panda, which is like a Chinese restaurant and bar. And there you see Arthur just sitting at the bar now, and he's talking to another like old superhero. It's known as The Cape. The Cape? The, yeah. And um, yeah, they're just sitting across the bar, and um, he's just basically talking about, he's celebrating his decision to quit his job, essentially, and, and be a superhero officially now. You know, when I saw that, uh, would you say his name was The Cape? When I saw him sitting there, and you see all these kind of like second rate superheroes, I was just thinking about that Three Doors Down music video for uh, <laughs> Kryptonite. <laughs> it's like, I feel yeah. like he's like, he belongs right out of there. 
<laughs> the one that jumps through the glass and falls yeah. on them at the end. And they kept cutting back this whole scene of like, uh, the keeps just like making pyramids out of like upside down shot glasses. Like that was his whole. They do that in movies and stuff, but they don't let you, they don't leave the shot glasses on the table in bars. Like, and even if you reality, did, if you like, started doing that, no. they'd be like, Hey, cut it out. You're going to break all the glasses. <laughs> like you wouldn't <laughs> be able to do that. The cape probably has some privileges. Yeah, maybe. That's right. Superhero privilege. Maybe he's like the bouncer, like a sign. Maybe, bar. yeah, maybe he's uh, the resident uh, superhero who watches over the bar. <laughs> and the uh, the bartender tells Arthur that the suit doesn't do a lot for him and that it makes him look like the Easter Bunny. <laughs> he tells him that it's like a flying suit and that's when he presses the button like at his chest that reveals the wings. <laughs> she just She's not impressed at all. She just says the Easter Bunny doesn't fly. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird they never explain where he got the suit. Yeah, why yeah. do they leave so much out? They it bugs me they just kind they of never, throw you in the he world just finds it in the comic was it the show i can't no no in the original animated show he just finds the suit although i did like the the motion of the wings coming out i thought it was pretty cool, yeah, I, didn't ex- cool. I didn't expect it you know what happened in the scene too is the bartender i thought for sure and i looked it up and it wasn't i thought for sure it was the grandmother from fresh off the boat <laughs> and uh it very much was not Garfield. <laughs> a show that will definitely hit one day uh, i think for sure we'll do fresh off the boat i was thinking about that show today like i'm gonna make you my pick in the, like the future <laughs> nice so keep an ear out everyone we'll uh we'll be hitting that one sooner than later but um yeah so arthur tells this bartender that he hasn't actually flown yet but he's gonna go outside and like jump off the building and fly like immediately like th- that's his plan once he leaves and she's like yeah do it who cares my question <laughs> is if it's a if he hasn't flown yet, how does he know it's a flight suit other than the fact it's got these little butterfly wings? Like, what if it, what if he just found like a Halloween costume? Like, <laughs> right. Why would you try from the top of a building first? Like, go out and see if you can just <laughs> at least like float and flutter away. Like, yeah, or like a controlled experiment where you like jump off your own roof, but you set up like padding on the ground, like outside of your home or something. <laughs> but then, yeah, uh, as he's leaving, she tells that other superhero of the cape that she thinks he's going to fall and die. <laughs> like, <laughs> and that's when the, the thing is uh pyramid his little glass falls pyramid over. falls over yeah yeah and then right after that we we go back to the tick and it's like this kind of an awkward scene where he's just jumping around from building to building and then he's going through the roof and like pushing things over but he's not there's no objective he's just like doing it for no reason i mean i would if i could just leap buildings i mean i would wouldn't you <laughs> true yeah I, 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 I can't say for sure. I don't like heights that much, I'd so I don't know using, if I would risk it. I'd be using my machine that helps me poop, and I'd be dropping poops from the <laughs> rooftop onto people and just jumping, and people would be like, oh, where's that poo coming from? I'm going to cut this episode <laughs> short. <laughs> not enough of this. <laughs> and uh, the one thing he said, though, was like, the phantom poor. <laughs> Essentially, what he is doing at this point is he's, um, the tick's announcing himself to the city. Basically, he's screaming to the city that he's here. And he says, uh, you know, you've melted my heart from this day forth. I will spread my buttery justice all over every nook and cranny. So apparently, he looks at the city like an English muffin. Well, no, he references toast after that. Did he say toast? Oh. Yeah, he mentions something about your toast will never go dry again or something like that. And then, um, after that, we cut back to Arthur, who's, leaving this Chinese restaurant and notably had had a few drinks at this point. So you can kind of see that on his face that he's a little woozy right now from all the drinking he did. But he hears some um, like evil Russians off in the alleyway there. They're they're talking about uh, the Red Scare, which is um, the finest secret Soviet supervillain from 1979. <laughs> 
you see him hold up like this detonator that uh I guess will release the red scare from um the back of the truck that they keep him in. I love this, by the way. The whole Russian scene in general or just the idea of the Red Scare? The idea. Well, when the Red Scare does come, like I lost it. Okay, and, yeah. Yeah. Um, but the idea that like it's 2001 and that the Cold War has been over for 10-ish years, 10, 12 years, something like that. And, uh, you know, there's still uh, evil Russians trying to, uh, you know, beat America. Yeah, and I was under the impression, too, that all these Russians are just, they're all like Russian. Russian Americans. They're not even like from Russia. They're just yeah. Mm. And they're plotting to take down the post office. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <Which> is- <laughs> the postmaster general has to go. Like yeah. Yes. <laughs> of all the positions to pick in America, the postmaster general not the one I would uh not the one I would be targeting first. Going for the federal crimes. <laughs> True. And as uh, Arthur like gets closer to them, like his stomach kind of gets the best of him, and he vomits on the shoes of one of these comrades. So the, obviously that guy's pretty pissed, and he he just picks him up and he like pushes him up and uh, pushes him up against the brick wall. And when they realize that he wants to be a superhero, essentially, they they tell him that they're going to teach him the lesson that they taught Metcalf. And he just realizes, like, oh no! And uh, so Arthur yells, like, no! But this very, like, uh, like a feminine, high pitched uh, <laughs> shriek that, like, I for the life of me, I don't know if any of you guys could do it. I couldn't do it on my best day. I can't get my uh, my voice can't up get that my high. Voice up that high. So because of that, though, the um, the tick can hear the yell off in the distance, and he thinks it's a damsel in distress. <laughs> so he jumps down onto the van, which like pops all the tires immediately, and you know he yells, unhand that woman. <laughs> And then when he sees that the woman is, in fact, Arthur, um, you can see, like, the antennas go down because he's disappointed. (laughs) (laughs) He assumes that Arthur has the situation under under control. He's like, oh, you know, a fellow superhero, essentially. He he wants to be part of the fun here. So he asks him if he can uh, have a slice of this righteous combat pie because he wants to tag team (laughs) these villains. But uh, Arthur just kind of replies with this um, sad help. So he's like, all right. So, you know, so... (laughs) The tick jumps down off the van now because he's been, you know, granted permission to join Arthur on this. And it cuts to what might have been the worst fight scene I've ever witnessed on anything in my life. (laughs) Oh, it was so funny, though, with him (laughs) just walking back and forth and carrying people. I mean, it can't be worse if this isn't the worst fighting scene. This is the worst fighting scene I've ever seen in my life. It's supposed to be, though. Like, that's the point of it. The original Batman. You ever see any of the fights in the, like, the OG Star Treks? (laughs) They're (laughs) so bad. It's one step away, though, from, like, a cloud of smoke with, like, hands and fists coming out of it. Yeah, right. I do, I do love when he's like fighting though. Like he gets hit by a crowbar, and he just goes, "Quit it!" Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then you just see him like holding one guy, just like walking him across the screen. Most of the yeah. the fight scene is just a shot of Arthur standing against the wall and just seeing people fly by him at all times. And that's that, and that was the thing. There wasn't a single shot of the tick actually swinging at someone or pushing them. There was like nothing physical shown the yeah. the entire time. No, just him kind of walking back and forth with yeah. in various. And like I, I get what they were going for, but I thought they could have shown a little bit of the combat and then put like you see everyone charge him and then he pushes them away and then it does this like weird fuzzy effect when he pushes them off, which I didn't really understand what that was trying to signify. And then from there it became all that non-off-screen fighting. 
I don't know. It, it wasn't make... for me personally, the scene. I thought they could have did a little bit better. It, they could have made it funny and still shown a little bit more. I don't know. It conveyed what it needed to convey. I thought it was all right. But that's one of my major issues with this show as a whole is there's very little action. It's like, to go ahead, but I, I've actually watched this show all the way through. Um, not recently, but within the last like five years. And like this episode is literally the most action heavy episode of the entire show. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Most of it just focuses on him and Arthur and their everyday lives. And that, that's what bothers me a lot about this show. Like, it wasn't like an actual tick show, which is the, the reboot they, they did a couple of years ago on Prime. It's actually way, it's like a really good show. It's a lot like the comics in the original series. Yeah, I don't see, that's the thing. It's like, I don't have much memory about the source material anymore to tell one way or another, like, what's accurate and what's not. And that's fine, because with shows like this, I don't think they're assuming everyone who watches yeah. the show has read the Tick comic book, because it's meant to go to a larger audience. So they're trying to create something that has a little bit more worldly appeal, but. Well, because this because this episode is as simple as it was, I I knew we'd have, so I I did a lot of um homework, you know, to to get myself back in like tick brain, uh, the old the old tick brain, you know. So so the conclusion of this fight, you just kind of see the shot of all the bodies piled up on top of one another, like kind of in a big pile, and you kind of hear all this groaning, and you see the detonator on the ground um as this is happening, just a you know a few inches away from where this pile is. But on standing on top of the entire pile is the tick, just standing upright, and he's doing a little bit more of his self-commentary. And uh, I believe he says, he breathes in deep the sweet air of his first victory. And with the newly won friendship of his fellow warrior, he stands tall against the inevitable horrors to come. And then he, he calls Arthur to join him on the roof. As he jumps down to like go to the roof, he steps on that detonator, which uh, in turn will release the Red Scare. Which <laughs> got me, which when the Red Scare comes out of the... <laughs> the back of the truck it was fucking hysterical. I don't know how to uh, describe so, it. So he looked other like than... a rock. Can I go so ahead? He, he looked does, like yeah. a rock'em sock'em robot that was red and yellow with a hammer and a sickle. Um, the, with the, <laughs> the close sickle up got on the me, hammer yeah. and this this close up on the sickle. I died laughing. And but he looked. That's what he. That's what it reminded me of. Was like a rock'em sock'em robot with the with the hammer and sickle. You know what's funny too, or well, funny for us, not so much funny for Russians. There is like no decade in which you cannot vilify the Russians at some point. Like they're always the bad guys in everything. Yeah, look at Boris and Natasha. <laughs> yeah, you know what vibe I got when I saw the Red Scare? Kaiju big battle. Yeah, exactly what I was going to yeah, say. Yep. Yeah. yeah, I can see that too. The second he came out, I'm like, this is a Kaiju Big Battle character. And for those of you listening who have never experienced Kaiju Big Battle, it's basically a hybrid of Godzilla-like monsters doing professional wrestling in a wrestling ring. And it's uh, very much its own. There's, n there's nothing else you could compare it to. Kaiju Big Battle is very much its own entity. This Red Scare character could have easily walked off of the set of the tech and went into battle <laughs> against Dr. Cube or Kung Fu Chicken Noodle or American Beetle. <laughs> but uh, he reminds me a lot of there's a Marvel character who's also Russian called the Red Rocket. I know left, but um, <laughs> he, lo he looks just like that. He's like a Russian like superhero. He's in a robotic suit. He's almost like a, a Russian Tony Stark. He he's not like a main guy. He's, he's always like in those big battles. He he's like an extra off the side fighting in a pan. <laughs> to furthermore how we vilify the russians and everything the character's name was named after a dog dick <laughs> <laughs> but he looks just like that too shout out to our russian listeners yeah <laughs> you know <Duh. laughs> 
We didn't write the show, guys. Uh, we know we, we, we're just reporting the news here. But yeah, uh, so in uh, the tick was unaware that he even stepped on this detonator. So he just heads right up to the roof, and then you see him up there, and Arthur's climbing up the fire escape to get him to get up there, despite the fact that he's under the impression he has the power of flight. <laughs> didn't even try to fly up into the roof. He just, you know, but he hasn't tested it out yet. Well, yeah, he's still apprehensive about the uh, right the thing because of uh, Metcalf. And uh, they're talking for a minute, and then flying in for the first time is Batman. Well. And Ferg, you said earlier you don't like this character at all. Yeah, he's a made-up character in the um in this series. Yeah, he's based on a character called Deflator Mouse from the original show. He kind of looked like Batman. I really think they just looked and assumed that it was a bat. But when it's um yeah, he he was like a, a German like Batman type character. But Batman well doesn't like I said he doesn't exist in that. Oh, I thought it was clever to have Batman. Well, he's basically just a Latino ladies man, Batman. That's all he really he is. He actually kind of reminded me of Tony Stark a little bit. Like he's like a, like a cheesier one. Well, funny enough, the, the actor who plays him, I think Nestor Carbonell. I am um, de- definitely yeah. he's, he's in, he was actually in, he's in the dark Knight. <laughs> oh, is he? Yeah. He was like the, was he the governor or the mayor? He's one of those. Ferg, did you watch Lost, right? No, you didn't. That's right. No, he's, he, I was, hate he Lost. was a big character in Lost. Yeah, I was gonna say he's in Lost. Yeah, how I know him is from back in the day in a show that we may cover one day. He was the love interest in Suddenly Susan. Wow, I forgot about <laughs> that show. That was a very popular sitcom in the '90s, and he was like the uh, the lead love interest uh, to Susan. Reminded me of Chavo Guerrero. He does kind of look like Chavo Guerrero. Yeah, he does. Just not not now then. <laughs> right. And then uh, when they first meet him, Arthur recognizes him from recently rescuing a bus full of supermodels. And Batman well tells him that he rescued them three times that night, if you know what I mean. And the tick just goes, <laughs> he doesn't get it. He's just like, <laughs> I no, don't, but, yeah. <laughs> I don't, don't. And I do like that about the character, like this innocence towards him. You know, all he cares about is fighting crime, but things of uh, the love nature completely escape him. He has no idea what that meant. And Batman well gets a phone call while Arthur tries to fill him in on what's going on. And the tick apparently has never seen a cell phone before and uh, called it a cool walkie talkie. But I was I was thinking like for 2001, cell phones weren't everywhere yet. Like I think I got my first cell phone right around 2001, 2002. Like so I guess I can give him a pass there. Yeah, that's about par for the course at that time. I don't I don't remember when cell phones really kind of took off. I mean, it was later in the decade, but. I'll say, so we graduated in 2004. Yeah. In 2000, so in my sophomore year, which would have been right around 2001, 2002 when the show came out, I got like my first cell phone, which was the Nokia 3360, the yeah. classic blue phone. The OG, so even, yeah. So that phone. phone, like the fact that Batman well has like a flip phone is actually pretty advanced for the time Very too. impressive. <laughs> I remember my mother, but we had a, a cell phone quote-unquote, that was in our car that my uncle oh, worked for the telephone company right. when yeah. it was literally like a a wired telephone <laughs> yeah. into that you had to wire up through your car and make its own antenna in it. Yeah, we had one of those too. My uncle had totally one of those, useless. and I was super yeah. impressed by it. I was like, that technology is insane. Yeah. Yeah. I'm still kind of impressed by the idea of it. When you think about where cars and technology were at the time, it's still right, kind of yeah. impressive. My first cell phone, actually, before the Nokia, was actually a Mitsubishi. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I don't remember what mine was. I think it was like a... No, mine was a definitely Nokia. Mine must have been a Nokia. The Nokia was like the OG. Those Nokias yeah. were awesome, by the way. They were indestructible, and you could change the faceplates. So you could get some really cool ones. In Snake. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> like Snake. There's actually a... Uh, 
a few years back, I remember finding in the app store, you could download a version of Snake that turns your screen to look like the Nokia. So you're just playing Snake on like that, like a small portion of the screen. <laughs> That's pretty cool. I want to say back to when all this is happening and Batman while first shows up, you see this like smile on like this childlike smile on the tick's face because I think he's just excited to see more superheroes. Yeah. Well, he was stuck at the bus station. I mean, how many superheroes are out at the bus yeah, station? true. Well, some superheroes are loners. They don't like other superheroes it's, other, it's, it's just another unanswered question. It's like, why are we supposed to believe that he's the only one? Now he sees other ones, and he kind of thought he was the only one, it seems like, right? I don't know. I never got that impression from him. Yeah, I think he just figured everyone has their jurisdiction. We meet another superhero at this point, too, because uh, a helicopter is overhead, and down from the ladder enters Captain Liberty. That's another one. She is based on the character American Maid. Oh. In the comics and the original show. I wonder why they flipped all those characters around. So yeah, I don't know. Let me go let me go talk to my man and then I'll be back. But there is a reason why they did that. Oh, okay. And uh so while you're looking that up, the she's like a Wonder Woman type of character and she was played by um Liz Vassy. I I'm not sure if there's anything in particular I recognized her from. A good looking gal though. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> And she says she was sent by the CIA because of the news of the Red Scare. You can see like that her and Batman will have this like back and forth. And it's very clear from the beginning that they have a, a bit of a sexual history. And that was confirmed by Batman well when he lets them know that they had sex in the water tower about a month ago. <laughs> he kept their underwear. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Batman well tells the tick that he saved her before too, if you know what I mean. And he just got the tick going, nope. <laughs> no idea. <laughs> nope. The biggest smile on too. Yeah. That's the best part about it is everything he said, he still got the big shitty thing grin on his yeah, face. Yeah, the, like, the innocence of the character. As they go back and forth, it's just a matter of time because you knew what's going to happen and they just start making out pretty intensely. Uh, Batman well and um, Captain Liberty, that is. and But while they make out, they're like moaning like they're having sex. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> th- these are not make out noises. So all I was able to find was Walt Disney Company inherited Fox's previous children's programming lined up and therefore owned the rights to many of the show's name and trademarks. For this reason, American Made and Die Flirtermoss, two major characters. Deflator Mouse. The two major characters in the animated series were unable to be written into the new show, and thus they were replaced by Captain Liberty and Batman Well. But this was put out by Fox, though. It shouldn't have been anything to do with Disney. Don't ask me. This is what Wikipedia yeah. is saying. It says the Walt Disney Company inherited Fox's previous children's programming lineup and therefore owned the rights to. Oh, okay. So this. <laughs> no, but Fox is. How, that doesn't make sense. Yeah, that doesn't make, make sense. sense at all. Because if Disney inherited, maybe they just didn't want them because it was adult situations. I don't know. I, I mean, wonder if there, if it's a matter of like, were those characters created just for the animated series, but weren't part of the comic? No, well, I thought they the were comic. a part of the comic. Oh, they were. All right, I was going to say it's interesting because if you're allowed to use the Tick and Arthur, yeah, and the comic there's hundreds of superheroes and they're all like w- really weird. And nothing as weird as the villain. The show, the original show, had some really strange villains. <laughs> Which one they, what one they bring up at the end of the episode? But we'll get into it. Yeah. So, anyways, while all this making out and everything is going on, and you see Arthur looking down from the rooftop, and he's just watching all the destruction that the Red Scare is causing, and he turns back to see, you know, his super team here. And he's just really disappointed because all he's seeing is the two of them making out and the tick who's very distracted by the fact that he just stepped in gum. (laughs) 
My Which favorite is, part of the, the whole show, yeah. right there. Who puts gum on a roof? <laughs> and the gum was like really squishy sounding. Like I don't understand why gum, like a piece of gum, was making that much noise. It, 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 like it made the noise it would make if he stepped in shit. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's it's such a good question too. Who does put gum on a roof? Well, I guess like if other people use the Roofers. roof to hang out and stuff, yeah, like yeah, well, yeah, I guess if they're in like the kind of city that does the roof parties, and yeah, stuff people like hang out on roofs. Uh, but yeah, Arthur's just kind of had enough, and he just kind of slips out and leaves. And by the time the chicken just kind of get his attention away from the fact that he stepped in gum, uh, <laughs> Arthur's already long gone. So the next scene is we see Arthur walking into his apartment, and he's just kind of holding a bag of groceries, and he sets them down and looks in the mirror, and he says to himself, like, you're an idiot in a bunny suit. He's uh, pretty dejected from this whole superhero life already. He hears some knocking at the door, and it's, you know the tick followed him all the way home. And uh, you get that kind of fisheye thing I was talking about earlier that, again, just the way this whole show is shot is very reminiscent to the early 2000s to me. The fisheye was used a lot in this time. Like, it yes. was either like a new lens that they, I mean, it couldn't have been a new lens that they made. The very end of the 90s into the early 2000s, they got, I mean, they had been, fisheye lenses had been around for a while, but they were really being used a lot at that time it was like it's the new trick used for like point of view shots like yeah you're looking even though that's not what life looks like <laughs> yeah in this and in this case it's being used for um him looking through like the people of the door which is still like i mean they always use the yeah. fish eye for that that makes sense but <laughs> then the tick's knocking on the door until he just accidentally breaks through the door but he he just claims that the handle fell off like you just busted right through the door but he's like oh the handle fell <laughs> One thing I want to point out is um, we talked about it. Everybody thinks that Arthur is a, a rabbit, but Tick's the only one that identifies and knows that he's a moth, which is interesting. Yeah, oh, a moth yeah man. it is. Yeah, he, he calls him Mothman a few times. Yeah. Uh, the Tick's also very impressed by Arthur's secret headquarters <laughs> which, <laughs> because he doesn't understand that it's his actual apartment. And he's looking for the trigger that's going to, like, I don't know, transform it or send them to, like, you know, the secret lair. And um, he thinks it's like the light fixture on the wall. I so laughed to, out loud when he, he goes he to pull it. Yeah. And he just rips it, rips it right from the wall. Yeah. And he's like, what does the sofa turn into? He's like a bed. Well, that's a start. <laughs> I would have liked it if he was a lot more excited by that. Like, wow. Yeah. Uh, Arthur tells him that this is just a regular apartment. And that's when the antennas go down again. <laughs> Disappointment. He's like, look, this whole thing was a mistake. Apparently, superheroes are just a bunch of egotistical, self-centered, sexually frustrated kindergartners. No offense intended. And the tick's like, uncomprehended. <laughs> uncomprehended. He's a simple, simple man, but he's, he is, yeah, uh, good-hearted. I guess the the tick, all his intentions are well, you know, mm -hmm. but well-meaning, yeah, uh, yeah. A lot gets past him. You know, the tick responds by telling him that destiny dressed him in the uh, this morning, and now fear is trying to pull off your pants. He tells him, uh. If he gives up, then he's just going to be naked with fear just standing there laughing at his dangling unmentionables. <laughs> and uh, he goes on to tell Arthur that he wants to show him something. And then he, you know, heads back outside of the door and he brings in one of the Russians who's tied up with like the pole from a one way street sign. <laughs> I like that. I like that. How he, he wrapped it around him. Help me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That touches on like the idea that he has like super strength because you've right, seen him yeah. do like acts of strength earlier in the episode like by picking people up and throwing things in the vending machine but i guess being able to like wrap a street sign like that and uh, around a human yeah that's superhuman level th that's that's yeah. beyond just being very strong like that's the first like tell that he has some legit powers there yeah but you still don't know what his powers are not in full at this point no they don't touch on it too much 
they get some information out of the Russian who tells them that the plan was to have the robot reprogrammed to kill the postmaster, but they didn't have uh, the chance to before they hit the button, so it's still programmed to kill Jimmy Carter, because Jimmy Carter was the president at the time that it was created in the late 70s. <laughs> and I like the next, yeah, I like this, because they're like, oh my God, Jimmy Carter. Yeah, they look down town. and there's like, you just see the newspaper in Arthur's house and the headlines just like, Jimmy Carter is in town. <laughs> <laughs> and the tick's like, Jimmy Carter's, what are the odds? <laughs> that's what i love about this episode is uh the red scare trying to find jimmy carter yeah of all of all people i like that because the robot was programmed then that it still thinks jimmy carter is the president and that like that his, that's it that is his target it's not to find the president it's yeah. to find jimmy carter i mean it's a it's a good it, it's good logic at least it works yeah and uh from there the did the newspaper i guess i didn't catch it to the newspaper say where he was staying because apparently they knew because they they headed right to this uh this hotel i don't I remember was, no didn't that thing say he was going to some gala or like oh what? is that what it was i just remember seeing like i just uh, remember yeah. seeing jimmy carter is in town yeah that's all i remember reading but they could it could have had more information i just didn't catch it so then you see like this overhead shot of a cab pulling up at this hotel where apparently jimmy carter is at as they run into the building, you just hear the tick yell, I have no money. And then, the, and then Arthur has to Arthur has to run back to square up with the driver. I don't know why that. No, no that, that got me too. Because at first, when he got out of the car, I was like, maybe he doesn't understand this concept, like that you have to, you know, pay the cab driver. I don't know, like how intuitive he or uh, intuitive he is about it. And then, he, and then he yells, "I have no money." So he, he knew yells what it he heroically. was doing. <laughs> I have no money. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, from there, we get uh, the shot of the two standing in the elevator, and they're talking. And when they cut to the outside of the elevator, we see the backs of uh, Jimmy Carter, quote unquote, and a Secret Service member uh, waiting to get on. And then the doors open and the two are like looking at one another and it's just Arthur arguing like, I don't want to poop with the machine. And the tick's going, nobody is asking you to. (laughs) (laughs) And then uh, the tick grabs Jimmy Carter and pulls him in with that. It's again with that like kind of fisheye lens. He goes face up right to where the Secret Service member is and tells them that uh, they have it from there. So they try to tell the president what's going on, and he thinks that the two are the actual villains, and he's trying to escape. And uh, they they keep doing these things to avoid showing his face. Yeah, it's strange. Yeah. <laughs> like, like you didn't need to do it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I like, mean, unless they were going to get the real Jimmy Carter. No, well, th- that's the thing. They don't need the real Jimmy Carter in that. Like, as long as it's understood that the guy's playing Jimmy Carter, they can get a look alike. Yeah, he always he, he's always just in that corner with his back to them. Yeah, they were trying to hide his face the whole time, as if like the audience was fooled into thinking the actual former president is in this episode. I thought it was clever. Like, I think because like a lot of people would do that back in the I day. Don't, like, they would I just try I do don't that. understand why. <laughs> like, it was like a style thing, if I remember correctly. Like, they would do that in, with the few of those shows back in. Like, yeah, you've definitely era. seen it before. It's funny too, though, that like Jimmy Carter is still like an old guy in this, and he's still alive now. No, didn't he just die recently? He Did died he like die? a year or two ago. No, Jimmy Carter's still no, alive. No, Jimmy Carter's alive. Are we sure about that? Yes. Like Are you? The news if he died we would. Recently. We would be having a presidential funeral if Jimmy Carter died. Yeah, I feel like we. Would, yeah, he was. It just says born October first, nineteen twenty four. It does not say he's not dead. Death. Yeah. Sorry no, about that, um, Jimmy. Harry Reid. Harry Reid died recently the senate majority leader 
That's not what I meant. Yeah, I was confusing the two. I was just under the impression Jimmy Carter had already died, but I was wrong. So sorry about that, Jimmy. Sorry, Mister President. No problem, Jay. See, I did my impression of him in the show. That's my. That was my other thing. Forget the fact that they were hiding his face, but whoever was playing him, they were doing voiceovers for everything he said. So it wasn't even like the actor wasn't talking as him. They were doing voiceover work for every line that Jimmy Carter, quote unquote, had. Maybe they got a voice actor. Jimmy Carter's got a pretty distinct look, so not a lot of people can pull that off. But like, he's got a distinct voice. But whoever did the voice work did not sound like Jimmy Carter, so it wasn't like they got a, a ringer. I wouldn't know otherwise. I don't think I've ever heard Jimmy Carter talk. But yeah, I don't know. I thought I thought that whole bit with the hiding his face and the voiceover for all his speaking parts were strange. I just if you're gonna get someone who does the voice good enough. And, and you don't want to show his face, then you can still work around the hiding the face. But yeah, I think we can agree that there's probably way better ways to have done this. That the just only, yeah. the only reason, reason I could see doing that is if they had somebody funny playing them, and then there was a reveal at the end, like, oh, hey, it's this person. But right, it just didn't make sense. Oh, it's Gilbert Godfrey. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Jimmy Carter. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so the tick tries grabbing his head to talk to him like he did with Arthur a little bit earlier. <laughs> stop squeezing his head. Yeah, Ar- yeah, Arthur's like, you got to stop doing that. You can't grab people's heads. <laughs> and uh, yeah, <laughs> Jimmy Carter's like, men in wrestling outfits, help. That, I don't like that line either because we're in a world where it's established that the superheroes exist. So That's true. That That's a good point. Not only that, but Jimmy Carter at this point is a former president who probably directed the Department of Defense to contract out Captain or Lady Liberty to fight the Russians. So he's aware superheroes exist. If not anything, I mean, I'm sure even Joe Biden is aware of some kind of hidden soup. They know shit that we don't know. I don't think he's aware of anything. (laughs) (laughs) That's all for another day. Um, he, um, I, well, they, they know the aliens are for sure. So yeah, I think any, any, any superhero or mutant situation, I think they'd be aware of too. Worst secret service people ever though, by the way, they let them grab the doors open for a while. They could have rushed. (laughs) Well, I'm sure once you're the former president, they don't have the a squad on you anymore. So, (laughs) If you were watching over Jimmy Carter in 2001 and like, who, like, who's after Jimmy Carter? So they just put like whoever on, on, you know. <laughs> I don't think that's how that works. Well, I don't know how it works. So I'm, I mean, Secret Service is still Secret Service. I'm going to talk out of my ass and just <laughs> and joke about it. <laughs> <laughs> right on. But yeah, anyways, um, Jimmy Carter's also calling them circus freaks. Like he's, he's, <laughs> he's just, he's just trying to get out of there. I was just like, please, Mr. President, I know we look strange, but we're here to help you. And the tick tells him that there's a Soviet killing machine out there and, and uh, he could strike at any moment. And as soon as he gets this warning, you see the Red Scare just jump through the roof of the elevator, which I don't know what elevators have like drywalls uh, for the ceilings, but he, he managed to get right through it. You would have thought he just, it would have been shards of metal. As effective as the Secret Service agents, at least. Right. Well, what did uh, the tick say? Great Molly Hatchet? <laughs> Another good laugh I get is when they just start headbutting each other. And yeah. Can, yeah. Even when they're not on screen, you can just hear the ping, ping, ping of the headbutts <laughs> still happening. The robot first uh, says he has this like weird, like very dark uh, robotic voice. He's like, Jimmy Carter, you have been sentenced to death. <laughs> 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 
that's when we get the headbutt battle that you were talking about, which is just back and forth. And I mean, I guess the tick has like a super strong. We're still not totally sure of his powers, but if you're going to go in a headbutt battle with a robot, then um, that must somehow play into your powers of super strength or <laughs> yeah, whatever's going on. The robot goes destroy Jimmy Carter, and he uses that sickle he has to cut the cables to the elevator, making it uh you know start shooting down pretty fast. And he grabs the he- uh, the tick's head and he puts it through the wall, and you can just see like the tick's head rubbing against like the like the elevator shaft like wall. So you just get these sparks as they're like plummeting down. I love that it's just he's just mildly annoyed by it though. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's not hurting him, it causing him any pain. And then like. Also, like, how high up are they? Because this free fall was going for quite a long I know, time. They're like a mile yeah. in the air. Like, even if you were at the top of the Sears Tower, like, you would have probably made it to the bottom <laughs> well before they would have in this uh, episode from when it cut down. I was thinking that too, but then I like I had to convince myself that the tick's head being pushed up against the wall slowed, slowed it down. Well, he said <laughs> that while he was hanging his head out. He said he like he said it really slowly, which I didn't really understand why they did it that way. He was must use head to slow down elevate or something oh, like I that. I must have missed that. Yeah, uh, I think I missed that too. Uh, <laughs> the only line I remember right around this point was uh, Jimmy Carter going like, "Oh, more merciful Lord, we're gonna die." <laughs> <laughs> Poor Jimmy Carter. Yeah. I wonder if at that point they just ran out of money. So they had to throw like one of like. It was like one of the, like an extra camera guy. <laughs> so they I couldn't just, use the real Jimmy Carter? No, I just mean they couldn't hire like an, a, a better actor. <laughs> so they just, you know, they dubbed over and. At the fear of uh, death from Jimmy Carter, that's when Arthur steps up and he has like a moment of braveness finally and. He presses that button and it's just deploying the moth wings and he tells the president to hold on. And that's when they jump through that hole that, um, that the robot had created when he jumped in and that kind of sends them flying up to safety, apparently. I mean, I'm actually really impressed th- by this effect of him flying up the shaft. I know it's all just like a, a green screen thing. Yeah. But it looked good for 2001. And like, I don't yeah. remember this. Sh- like, there's no other effect in this show that looked quite as good. Yeah. 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 So he gets them out and, um, I was thinking about it too. Cause like, as it's coming down, like, it looks like they, they're slowly coming up, but I guess if I'm overthinking, but if the elevator was coming down, it would have been like so fast. It would have looked like they shot out of there like a rocket if they just yeah. even stopped moving. <laughs> also, Arthur doesn't give a fuck about the tech. He just leaves him in the yeah. elevator. He doesn't know his powers or anything. <laughs> he's like, he's, he'll probably be okay. <laughs> but he has to, hey, I guess the, your priority, you got to save the president first. That's true. No, I get it. He had to save someone, but he doesn't yeah. even look back like, I'll remember you, friend. Like, yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then uh, as they get out, like the robot looks up and then he kind of just like hangs his head down in disappointment because he failed at his mission. <laughs> Poor sad robot. Yeah. So the, yeah, the robot shows a little more emotion than you would expect. Him and the tick just keep fighting until eventually the elevator finally reaches the bottom of this world's largest building ever. You see like the shot of like the pile of rubble from the crash and then, um, the ticks, in in it and he's like moving some of the pieces of metal off of him and he's he's just kind of looking up and he goes gravity is a harsh a harsh ugh, let me he goes gravity is a harsh mist i can't say it harsh gravity mistress. is a harsh mistress yes that's what he says <laughs> <laughs> so then you cut to later on where the tick and arthur are sitting uh side by side at that uh that restaurant the lonely panda and the tick tells the story of what's happened to uh batman well and captain liberty or Sitting across from them, like, I don't understand why they never told them when they found out what the mission was. Like, they might need backup because the robot's trying to kill the president. But I didn't know where to contact them. Yeah, that's true. Batman well has that cell phone. 
They never exchanged numbers. Arthur walked off in a little hissy fit, and that's true. Dick that's doesn't true. know what a phone is. But um, weren't they weren't they making out the last time that they yeah. spoke? So like they weren't going to be like, "Excuse me, can we exchange phone numbers?" While that's you, true. That's true. While you're getting it on, the weird thing about this scene that I noticed is they're in this big booth, and the two of them are, are sitting really close because they're a couple, so it makes sense. But Arthur and the tech are really close together too. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just wondering, like, and I would understand it if. The tech was on the inside because he'd see the them and maybe he thinks that's normal. But Arthur's on the inside. So why the fuck didn't Arthur move in to make room for the tick? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> he likes the warmth of the tick. Apparently. They're close now. They just completed their first mission together. He's like one step away from sitting on his lap. They're buddies. We also see Batman while has a cast on him now, which uh, apparently was caused by Captain Liberty because of the her dangerous third base. She kind of gives him like a little nudge. And uh, g- guys, this sounds very strange. That power pussy. Was I, I was going to say like, did... Do you not know what third base is? Did she crush his hand with her vagina? That's, that's what, what I got I, out that's of it. What I assumed, got. yeah. I didn't want to be the first one to say it and end up looking like Joe, but yeah. <laughs> All right, I'll be Joe. Maybe maybe she was stuck in a dryer, and she said, Bat Manuel, I'm stuck in the dryer. <laughs> oh, Kermit. Such a Bat Manuel. <laughs> um, so, uh, all right, so it was, in fact, her um, super strength from her vagina crushing his hand. I can. I, it's all I can assume. <laughs> I, I, I think that's what it has to be. Also, did you notice like his cast has like signatures, but like Anne kisses all over it? So, which I imagine is from like varied other women that he he communicates with. Probably, but the other question is: is that if that's what she did to his hand, <laughs> how does his dangling bits look? Maybe they stopped Good at question. third after that. Maybe, they might have stopped at third base once he needed um, to run to the hospital. But they did um, They did have intercourse before at the water tower, so we know that much. Yeah, so he should have been aware of that, that power. That's true. That's true. So the bartender from earlier walks up with a check and four fortune cookies, and uh, the tick apparently has never seen fortune cookies before. So he goes, uh, look, more strange treats from the Orient. And then he just shoves a whole cookie <laughs> in his mouth. That one got me. That one I thought was, yeah, I thought that was funny. He shoves a whole fortune cookie in his mouth and he's unaware that fortune cookies have a fortune inside. And he's like, a secret message from my teeth. which i think just read uh the road to hell is paved with good intentions what a weird fortune i was gonna say that's weird for even for a fortune cookie yeah but um as they're all sitting there uh you see like a fireball uh shoot from outside and captain liberty identifies that it's apocalypse cow so her and the tick immediately run out to stop it and arthur's gonna follow behind but like Batman Wells like stops him like from the seat and he's like Apocalypse Cow is 50 feet tall and she shoots fire from her teats. <laughs> <laughs> so like now Arthur's like not so sure if he wants to go anymore but the tick runs back to get him and he's like there's fire everywhere. <laughs> and he tells him fight fire with Arthur. <laughs> yeah. And tells him that it's his destiny. And uh, <laughs> that's where we think the show's going to end because it fades out. But it does come back real quick. So it fades back in. And uh, Batman Wells' phone goes off. And uh, it's his friend Diego, who I think was the guy he was on the phone with at the very beginning when you first meet him. And he just asks about his sister because Batman Wells in it for the ladies. <laughs> and that's how that episode closes. How do you guys feel about the the way this episode ends? I would like to have seen Apocalypse Cow in live action. For the I know. I was very time, curious but... as to what Apocalypse Cow looks like. Yeah, me too. That's what I wanted to see. But I mean, I thought it was a fine ending other than that. Yeah. Other than seeing 
Apocalypse Cow. I also would have liked to have seen the other villain, Chairface Chippendale, who is just a old school mobster, but his head is a chair. <laughs> and over the whole like series in both the comics and the the original cartoon, his like big crime was he tried to write his name on the moon to be famous, but he gets stopped by the tech. So throughout the whole thing, the moon always just says C H A because that's as far as he got. And, like I was kind of hoping that that would be on the moon in in this yeah. show, just as like a, a callback, but wasn't interesting. <laughs> so um, so yeah, that was the conclusion of the episode, though. So. As far as the tick goes in general, I mean, this show, the future show that happened later, the original animated, the comic, anything you guys want to mention about the tick? Ferg, you got into a lot of it earlier on, but is there anything that we're leaving out that people should know about this character? I, I mean, uh, you know, personally, just from my perspective of this show, I wish they had given us a little bit more. They, we, I feel like I started watching it in like season two, episode one. Yeah, but I think that was the, uh, the point though. It's a weird point to make. I don't know why they would do that. I don't know. Drop you right into the story. And that's, that really is just how the tick is. Everything is, it's random. Like everything is just, yeah, I guess that strange. does leave like, it open for like ambiguity in a sense that like they can kind of do whatever they want. They haven't put him in a box yet as far as his capabilities and stuff. So I guess that makes sense. Yeah. You're not really, yeah. this isn't the origin story of the tick, even though the show is based on the tick, you're really starting with the origin of Arthur. Yeah, that's, that's true. true. Yeah. So it's like a good way to like start off and like introduce you to all these characters through his eyes. So like the ticks already established and doing his thing. So the only real in, like the only origin for the tick here is how he got to the main city. Well, he went by bus. That's how we got. Right, well, that's what I'm saying. City. That's all we really know is that this is his how he got there. That's all we really oh, know about. Oh, that. oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, okay. We are a bit spoiled nowadays too, as far as superhero cinema goes. You know, if we get all these backstories and you know info on everything now, whereas maybe you just didn't need it. <laughs> yeah, there wasn't a lot when this came out. I don't remember anything about like. They, they didn't do origin stories or any like superhero movies weren't as popular no the the spider-man the first spider-man movie i think is coming out right around now yeah okay but like i don't even know if it was out when this yeah but it's still batman and superman yeah i mean there's superhero stuff but this is before you're right the big superhero boom like yeah we had a few movies yeah. like the like fake superheroes like blade and shit hey fuck you <laughs> but yeah this is how they used to just introduce you to superheroes back in the day you know they didn't have the fancy origin stories and all of that like these kids these days and you know we got the tick and we liked it <laughs> yeah so like with the tick i didn't read the comics uh for the tick back then to really know the character's voice so to me, Patrick Warburton's voice is the tick. Like, I can't, when I think of the tick, that's, that's how I right see right on the nose, but it's similar. It, it, it was good casting getting him for it, though. Like, I guess for comparison, right, when Ryan Reynolds started playing Deadpool, I had read a lot of Deadpool in, like, years past when I was younger, and I read it exactly the way he delivers it. Like, that's, I thought it was, like, perfect casting having him play Deadpool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Patrick Warburton is also the uh, the perfect person to play the tick. It's another one of those things. Like, you you can't really be sure that that would have worked with somebody else, you know? No, exactly. I mean, you can be sure because they made another show with somebody else and it worked. Well, I mean, like, at the time, yeah. in the way that it was made <laughs> I then. know, I'm just yeah. teasing. Because, like, in, in this show only lasted nine episodes. It didn't have a long run. Well, I was going to say, pointing back to that, the director 
of this show said that the pilot was one of his most proud moments or his most proud uh, production, like single-handedly throughout his whole career. And almost every single person who starred in this, when they were asked about it, like Patrick Warburton and uh, David Burke and everybody and director even, they all wanted to revisit it because they thought Fox was going to give them a movie. And I guess they came out with this as a DVD and a DVD box set back in the day. And I guess that the plan was that if the DVD sales reached a certain number that they were going to Fox was going to greenlight a movie with the same cast and with the same everybody. And that would be would have been in like 2015 or so. But that didn't happen. So I think it was just the show is a little too silly for um, its time slot. <laughs> yeah and even uh if they were to convert this to like um like a major motion picture it would it wouldn't have worked in the exact style that this movie uh, this show was yeah it works the way it is you would have to like the characters could play themselves the same but the way it was shot and the writing would have to be completely different no 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 because you know what this show especially the beginning and the progression and everything do you know what this show really reminded me of the way that it was shot and i know that you were saying that earlier jay and it was on the tip of my tongue the entire episode men in black i get a very very men in black vibe from this show the way that it's shot the way that like they would set up the scenes with like will smith and the fighting scenes and just kind of i didn't see any ball chinians but i don't know that's what i got watching this was a a very much a men in black vibe i know what you mean I, i can see that yeah i think we covered everything at this point i guess there's really nowhere to go but do our green light or cancel so i'm gonna go in the order that i see you all in so goto you're up first green light it was funny. I'm greenlighting it just based on the close up of the uh, red scare with the hammer and the sickle that uh, made me laugh uncontrollably. I I like the show in its original run. I was the one that picked this show. I just thought it was funny. Sure, they left a little bit out, but I'm going to give them a pass here. It wasn't a, it was funny enough to make me want to watch a second episode and to see how the characters progress. So it's a green light for me. Nick, there's a lot lo- uh, wrong. We're not wrong that. There's a lot that confused me about this show. I think we've discussed that, that that doesn't really matter. They didn't really care. They just wanted to do it a certain way in a goofy way. You know, there are comedies out there as far as sitcoms go that are funny. But like I found myself laughing out loud like multiple times throughout this 20 minute episode. It was really tough to not keep watching this show afterwards. I, like I said, I've I've never seen this show. Like I knew it existed, but I I can say with confidence that I've never seen a single second of this show before I watched it for this. And um I really enjoyed it. It's just slapsticky, it's goofy. You can you get a good idea of who the characters are and you like them, and I want to keep seeing more of it. So, I'm going to plow through this one, you know, tonight and tomorrow probably. Greenlight. Berg show had a lot I liked about it. I, I did get some genuine laughs, but ultimately I am going to cancel. It just, it, it felt like they did their homework on certain things, but not others. And they did, they kind of half-assed the show, but they half-half-assed the show. So it's like parts were good. And then other parts was just like, had me scratching my head. Like, why did you do it this way? Why, why this? Why that? Nothing was explained. Um, it's little plot holes, little things. And that bothered, I love the cast. I love the people they got. I wish I could say it gets better, but the show actually gets worse. Like I said, this episode's the most most action in the entire series. Arthur doesn't fly again in the rest of the show, period. Uh, spoiler alert. 
It's just like, I don't know. I, I've now seen better tech shows now, too. And even going back to the original animated show, much better. So like I said, as much as it hurts, um, I'm going to give this the cancel. All right. So um, for me, I'm actually siding with Ferg on this one, and I'm also canceling it. And it's it's not even really for the same reasons, necessarily. I loved Patrick Warburton as the tech. I thought he was hilarious, and I thought he did a phenomenal job playing the character. But I thought the show that was created around it wasn't that good. So, like, I had issues with, and I get that you're doing a cartoony comic book type character, but I thought just the way it was shot, the way it felt, like a lot of the dialogue, the fighting scenes, it just, none of that stuff really clicked with me. Every time he spoke, I thought it was really funny, but everything else just didn't click. And I would have loved a new tick show that he got to play the tick again with a different set of eyes in control of the show. Yeah. And just, you know, with a different, you know, feel all together. Um, because I think he is like great casting and, and I haven't seen the newer tick show. So I don't know how the other guy is, but yeah, ultimately I have to cancel it because other than the main character, I just didn't love the show that much. Let's hope, uh, let's hope Joe comes through for us. Yeah. So that puts us in a very unique situation because this is the first time because we're only going with four guys and we're actually at a tie right now that we have to end the episode on a cliffhanger. So to the tick, I don't know if I can congratulate you or say I'm sorry because we're leaving on a tie. So for those of you who are curious, you'll have to follow us on Instagram at S1E1Pod because eventually that graphic will come out where we tell the results of our green letter cancel. And we're not doing this to bait you to our profiles. This is a This is just legitimately how it works. Unfortunately, this is how it has to go. Yeah, we do not actually know how Joe's voting yet, so you're gonna have to just no. uh stay tuned and, and keep an eye out there. Again, S1E1Pod on Instagram, but additionally S1E1Pod is where you can find us on all our social medias. So that's it. That's all we have for this week. Go to S1E1Pod.com. Follow us on all our social medias, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. We're everywhere. And then uh, that also gives you all the links to where you can listen to us. But if you're listening to us right now, you probably have a good idea where you can hear us. Um, but yeah, S1E1Pod.com. And again, I've done this before. I'm pleading with you guys. Please spread the word. But additionally, if you're someone who listens to us every week, it means a lot to us, and we very much do appreciate it. But if you could follow our social medias, that helps us out infinitely. So we've been seeing engagements more and more on our, you know, YouTube and Instagram and stuff like that, and we love seeing it too. Um, so tell us we suck if you want to; it doesn't really matter what. But get in there and engage with us. We really, really enjoy it. Yeah, I mean that stuff does a lot for us. Yeah, every time that you guys engage with us, you know, we we all get like giddy, you know, mm-hmm. when in our group chat and you know, we all kind of give each other high fives and stuff. So it really really does mean a lot to us. Yeah, share us share us with your friends and if you hate us, share us with your enemies. Yeah, some of us like us that you know. (laughs) And yeah, but like Gordo's right, every time somebody um, comments, we drive to each other's houses just for high fives. It's like a thing that we do. So um, Yeah, it makes it hard when Joe's in Maine. Joe lives in Maine, so (laughs) think of all the driving we do for all these high fives. But uh, yeah, no, again, guys, S1E1Pod, uh, please follow our socials because that does help us a lot, and it does help us engage with you guys and know what you guys want to hear so we can give you shows that that you want to listen to. So, But that's it. That's all we have for this week. Thank you, guys. Catch you next week. Goodbye. I think we got the best apocalypse, Kyle. Love you, Joe. <laughs> <laughs>